But as much as I like ramen noodles, instant food is not nearly as good as the food you have to wait a little bit on. Same with God. I thank God for his instant moments. But I give him more thanks for the fact that he has been working on me for 42 years. And it's still, I'm still waiting. Not waiting for him to do something. Waiting as he performs. Hallelujah. I'm glad you're here today. You can be seated if you'd like. God's good, isn't he? I'm gonna, we're we're going to come to a, uh, a Christmas carol in a, here in a minute, but I, I'm going to set the stage for a moment. Would you let me do that? Uh, I, I, was, I was sitting in my office today, and, and given, given uh, some of my sermon elements to our media team, and Brother Michael Schumacher came in the office, and he was kind of making sure everything uh, was in order, and he goes, now, now why are you preaching a, your Christmas sermon now? Well, here's why. Because next Sunday is the kids' Christmas play. Now, I'll probably wrap it up, and I'm sure I'll have something to say. I'm kind of working on something right now. Next Sunday, we may sing, I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Uh, That might work its way somewhere into whatever ending remarks I might have uh, for, for after the Christmas play. Looking forward to that. Excited to see what all they have uh, in store. And then the next Sunday is Christmas. It kind of hurts my mind that we're that close to Christmas. It seems like there ought to be at least one more Sunday, but Christmas falls on a Sunday. And my dad will be bringing during that time the Christmas message, however he so desires for our Lighthouse family Christmas. And so if I don't preach Christmas today, I'm not going to have a chance to preach. And at the risk of telling you what's going to happen too far, uh, but, but on New Year's Day, we're going to be blessed with the ministry of, of a great evangelist. We have not had him here, but he's a longtime friend of ours, and I have wanted him to come, and it's never worked out, and it's just going to work out. But on New Year's Day, we're going to have Brother Ethan Hagen and his family with us. Looking forward to that. Many of you that, that have, have been around uh, Brother Urshan's church, you know Ethan. And then the Sunday following that, we're going to have uh, the hearts here with us. They're going to be with us. So... Um, if I don't preach Christmas right now on this Sunday, I, I'm not going to have a chance to preach for at least on a Wednesday or so. But it's Christmas. The birth of Jesus Christ, that nativity. So I know you're going to hear it. I have no idea. Honestly, I have no idea what the Christmas program is about other than the fact that it says something about the toys were doing something. I don't remember. Put it up. Put it back up and figure out. I don't know anything about the Christmas uh, play that they're going to do. I'm sure my dad on Christmas Day uh, read or, or quote or at least allude to this, but if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And I want to set the stage for what I, I believe the Lord is leading us to today. I can almost quote it. I'm not going to do it because I'll mess it up, but I can almost quote it. I at least know where it's going. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered or taxed. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, 
to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. That same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to men. And the angels went away to heaven and the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that's happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went and made haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to him concerning them, concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured these things, pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorified and praising God for all that they had heard or seen as has been told to them. I, I think y'all know it and I say it all the time. I am thankful he came to earth. I'm thankful that he decided that God in his infinite knowledge and even foreknowledge that one day God said, you know what, it's time. And when the fullness of time had come, God became flesh. God dwelt among men. We beheld his face, uh, the glory of God, the expressed image of God, the entire fullness of God dwelling bodily in that little baby. I'm so thankful he came, aren't you? We, we, we've seen it a few times, but Sister Buford and I were in Branson a couple weeks ago for a meeting, and, and the, the children's ministry team uh, took us back to Sight and Sound Theater, and we got to see uh, Sight and Sound Theater's, their, their play, their, their, their musical, uh, The Miracle of Christmas. And uh, I've, we've seen it a couple times. I love uh, Sight and Sound. They do a great job. I'll, I'll tell you, there's probably a few things that went a little bit extra biblical in that um, uh, uh, foretell or or telling Uh, the angels had a sword battle on top of the the manger scene I'm not really sure where I found that in the Bible but it it was cool I get it Um, there there was a little problem with the theology uh, as as there was a conversation in heaven before Bethlehem where 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 God the father and Jesus the son had a conversation and I don't know that you find that necessarily in the Bible, especially for the fact that if they're all co-equal and they're all co-eternal, how come Jesus got the short end of the stick and had to go die? It's kind of what it made it sound like. Like God said, I don't want to do it. You go handle it. That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says that Jesus was the expressed image of God. That one day God manifests. That means he became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. My Bible tells me that God's not going to share his glory with another. There's no way on earth that God is ever going to give any of his glory to anyone else. And I even know that the angels, if they, uh, if I understand the Bible correctly, they're only going to direct their praise to God the creator. 
And on this day when he showed up to the shepherds, and the Bible tells us that for the first time it seems, and maybe I've missed something somewhere, Brother Sorrels, but I, I don't think so, but for the first time in recorded history, the angels directed their worship to earth. Why? Because God, robed in flesh, becoming flesh, lay there in a manger and they worshiped and they glorified and they gave him uh, praise. It was an amazing thing. I love it. But uh, it spawned countless Christmas hymns. This Nativity, this incarnation has spawned sermon after sermon. I, I, I went back and looked. I've, I've pastored here over 14 years. That's, that's 14 Christmases that I've been pastoring. Uh, yesterday, I just sat there and opened my computer up and went through all the Christmas sermons that I've, that I've preached as a pastor. And there were some kind of good ones in there. I, I was impressed. I'd forgot about them, but they were good. We, we preached about it. We've sung about it. We celebrate it. And I, wanna, I want you to join me in singing a hymn that we don't sing a whole lot. You know, typically if we're going to sing one or two or three Christmas carols, usually Hark the Herald Angels Sing or Joy to the World or Old Little Town of Bethlehem, that's the ones we kind of know. But I, I want you to sing the song because it, 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 it was written in 1849. 1849, a minister begin to compose uh, a poem. And December 26th, 1849, it was published. A little bit later, 1850, another uh, composer who had trained under Felix Mendelssohn wrote the melody that we're going to kind of sing, and they put them together. But I want to preach upon this, um, this Christmas carol. And I want to show you something really unique about this Christmas carol, but why don't you, you help me sing it? It came upon a midnight clear that Most of us have heard that, sung it. That's the Christmas carol. That's the part of the song in, in which this author, this composer, uh, his name is Richard Stortz Willis, I believe is, is, is his name. And 
And he wrote, that's talking about the angels showing up to the shepherds and, and the angels showing up to Mary and the angels showing up to, to Joseph. And it, it sets the stage and it's a beautiful song. I, I, I love when people do Christmas plays because it tries to capture the majestic nature of what happened during those moments. The angel choir. The, the, the star and, and all of that. But the author of this song did not necessarily intend it to just be a Christmas carol. Because if you will, the first verse, and I realize there may be some other verses, but these four verses that we're going to sing are, are the main verses that the author intended. The first verse deals with the incarnation. It deals with this past experience that Jesus came. But see, Christmas was never designed to just be a moment in time and then never think about it. Because he came, there was a cross. And because he came and because he died, we now have life. Because the story doesn't end when they leave the stable. Those of you that, that, that you know, at your house, the, the Christmas tradition, which is probably not at all biblical, the elf, you know the elf on the shelf, magically appears the day after Thanksgiving and it disappears on Christmas Day or the day after Christmas. If we're not careful, that's how we look at Jesus in Christmas. Oh, you know, well, for, for America, right around Halloween, we start singing Christmas carols and seeing all the Christmas stuff in the in the the stores and then as soon as Christmas is over they, they flip the switch and 102.5 goes back to doing classical soft rock or whatever they do and 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 we we we've already got Valentine's candy in the stores, right? But Christmas, the incarnation was never designed to be forgotten December twenty-sixth. And so the author of the song wrote this second chorus. Still through the skies they come with peaceful wings sung that verse before? No. But that verse, the author began to pin. He said, you know, Christmas, the incarnation, the purpose, the reason of Christmas is still going on. There's a reason we still celebrate it right now. And so that's the continuation, if you will. But then the third verse steps in, and it's for you right now. Oh, ye yeah. 
deals you a blow you weren't ready life isn't perfect life isn't easy that's where we are right now but then he would say he would say look now for it says come unto me all ye who are heavy laden and I will give you rest and the author looked back to the nativity and he penned those words and he looked forward as life would progress some 2,000 years and realized Jesus still matters perhaps he had a real moment in mind when he wrote that third verse maybe he was going through a hard day maybe he was seeing the in 1949 in 1950 the end of the Spanish American war and perhaps he was seeing the the forerunner to the civil war and there was a lot of things that were happening and he realized God is for me today but then he dipped his quill back into the ink and he looked forward and he realized that as the Lord came the first time, there is coming a second coming. And he sung it like this. For lo, the days are hastening on by across that. Thank you, Brother Caleb. Obviously, you know, we, we don't sing Christmas carols a lot. We sure don't sing past the first verse. But I like what they say. That I, I, I've, I've, I've tried to kind of 
look at it. So you've got angels, you got shepherds, you got wise men, you got Mary, you've got Joseph. All of them are 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 part of that Christmas story, that that nativity. And and one of the questions or one of the things that that I realize is first off, did Mary really know? I mean, we have a whole song about it. Here's what I will tell you. Yes, Mary knew in part. But but Mary had no idea what exactly was going to take place. Joseph, yes, he got a visit from Gabriel, but even then, it didn't come close to, to explaining what the next 30 some odd years would play out. Those shepherds, oh yeah, they got a message from the angels. It was amazing and they knew exactly what to look for. Go find a stable, go find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, I'll just be honest. That means when they got there, Mary probably didn't have Jesus in her arms. He was lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. The wise men, they got a glimpse of a star and they understood there was something special about that and maybe they had started their journey months before. But even they did not understand exactly what was happening. They knew in part, but not in fullness. They understood a little bit, but did not completely recognize what exactly had transpired in that first But if you go past those characters of the nativity, I would tell you that the world was not expecting nor was the world ready for his first coming. They weren't looking forward to it. And even when he did show up, it wasn't at all what they thought, what they expected. They were looking for a conquering hero. They were looking for one who would come down and with one flash of his sword vanquish the Roman government and bring the nation of Israel back to full power. They were looking for a conquering king. But that world didn't need a conquering king. That world needed a savior. Can I just posit to you for a moment that if Jesus would have come as a conquering king, all of us would have been dead at that moment. If Jesus would have come as the avenging angel, if he would have come as the judge, we wouldn't have had a chance. He would have walked down, swung his sword, we'd have all been dead, and he'd have had his perfect world. He didn't come that way. No, he had to come as a savior. He came as a spotless lamb. He came to fulfill the Levitical law and covenant that's found in Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Exodus. He he came to be the one who's that that that, 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 uh, lamb slain for sinners. That's why he came. He came so that he could walk the road that you and I walked. He came that he could be tempted in all ways like as you and I are yet without sin. He came to defeat sin once and for all. But they weren't ready for him. No matter what the angel said, they weren't ready. No matter the fact that you could go read in the Old Testament and find out that this Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. You can find that in the Old Testament, but they didn't catch it. You could find that he was going to come like a lamb slain, uh, but they, they didn't catch it. You, you could find that, that, that he was going to go to Egypt. You, you, you see that in the prophecies, but they didn't catch it because they weren't expecting. He came as a Savior. But here's what I found out. 
2 Peter chapter 3 tells us, in the last days there'll be scoffers. In the last days they'll follow their own sinful desires and they'll say, when is he ever going to come? Since our fathers fell asleep, everything's just going like it's always been. I mean, they, 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 they've said, you know, we've heard that Jesus is coming back basically since Jesus appeared. But I'd remind you that from the very second and third chapter of Genesis, we were promised that he was going to come. And they still weren't ready. So why would it be any different that we would not possibly be ready for the second coming? The Bible says he's not slow to fulfill his promise, as some men count slowness. But he's patient to you, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with the roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. The earth and the works that are done will be exposed. And if you know this is coming, what sort of people ought we be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening for the coming of the day of God, which for, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Jesus said in Matthew, he said, no man's going to know the day or the hour. Even Mary wouldn't have known the day of that coming. I realize that biologically we know it's nine months of gestation. But even Mary wouldn't have known when he was going to show up until he, it was time. The same is true as his second coming. We can look at the signs and we can feel the Bible even equates as we get closer. It's like the whole world is in travail. The whole world is in labor. We feel those pains. We understand that. But there is coming a day. Just like the prophet said of his first coming, we've got a lot of prophetic verses for his second coming. In fact, just as the angels foretold the immediate birth of Jesus Christ, there'll be a moment when the angels... Now, here's what I've found. How many of you know that Gabriel's going to stand one day on that eastern shore and blow his horn? Y'all have heard that? Can, can somebody show me exactly where that's at in the Bible? I don't know that it's going to happen. Well, here's what I do know. The Bible says there's going to be a host of angels, and the Bible says like a sound of a trumpet... Those angels are going to be there to foretell, to foretell the second coming. I like what the Bible says in Luke chapter 12. Jesus said, so stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Be like the men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they can open the door to him when he finds and he comes and he knocks. Blessed are the servants in whom the master finds awake. It's very similar to the Ten virgins, the five wise and the five foolish, it's saying, be ready, he's coming. Or it's First Thessalonians chapter 5, concerning the times of the seasons. Brothers, you don't have a need for me to write to you. You're fully aware that the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. When the people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they won't escape. But you are not in the darkness, brothers. You're children of the light. You're children of the day. We're not of the night or the darkness, and we're not going to sleep as others do, but we're awake, and we're going to stay sober. Let those who sleep, sleep in the night. Those who get drunk, they're drunk at the night, but we belong to the day. He said, we are waiting. See, I, I think we got to be careful. We don't look back at the Israelites and say, you know, y'all missed his first coming. You missed it. Mary, Joseph, wise men, shepherds, they were the only ones who got it, but you missed it. We need to be careful that we don't miss his 
second coming. He said, uh, I'm coming like a thief in the night. You're you're not going to know exactly when it's happened, but just like the wise man began to look for signs, and the wise man saw something in the heavens and said, you know, there's, there's a, a, something that's been pro- prophesied. They're, they begin to look back through the scriptures, and they had seen that, and so they begin to take a, a journey to wherever it was going to lead them. That's where you and I are on now. I want to put this to you, and, and, and I'm struggling a little bit because I have the verses, but I, I couldn't put it all together the way I, I felt it in my spirit, but... Have you ever noticed in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1, he says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And there were seraphims, angels, six wings uh, they had. Two they would fly. Two they'd cover their face. And two they'd cover their feet. And the holy of holy, and they would cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And foundations of the temple would begin to shake. And smoke filled the house. And pretty amazing vision, right? And then you can look at Ezekiel's vision and it gets even weirder. He saw faces within faces and wheels between wheels and burning cherubims. And and, and he couldn't even describe, if you will, the glory of God. See, I have a feeling that's what the children of Israel were looking for. If Jesus would have shown up on Christmas Day and had his hair on fire and, and I mean, with a giant sword that sparkled and shot lightning bolts. And if he could thunder his voice, that's what they were looking for. They were looking for the king. But he came as their savior. But I want to flip the script for just a moment. When Jesus finally comes back again, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to miss it. Because they're going to be looking for a savior and they're going to miss the king. Because that second coming, he's not coming to save the world. That second coming, he's not coming to make the world right. My Bible tells me when he comes again, he's looking for a bride. He's looking for one without spot and without blemish. He's looking for the one that says, I'm ready for the master. I'm ready for the king. I'm ready for the Lord of lords and the prince of peace. And on that day, I promise you, churches will be filled with people looking for a savior. And they'll miss the king. My advice to you and my advice to me is find the Savior now. So that when the king comes back, when the heavens split and that new Jerusalem comes down and when that trumpet sounds and he calls me home, I'm not searching and trying to find a savior, but no, I'm going to have my lamp trimmed and I'm going to have my clothes ready to go and I'm going to be there. I love what it says. In fact, I've, I've tried to, 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 to envision it. Revelations chapter 1, John is caught up, the Bible says, kind of into the third heaven, if you will. And, and, and he's there and he says, on the Lord's day, I heard a loud voice like a trumpet. And he said, write what you see in the book. And I turned in that voice, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstand was one like the Son of Man, clothed in a long robe with a golden sash around his chest and the hairs of his head were white like white wool like snow his eyes were a flame of fire his feet like burnished bronze refined in the furnace his voice was like the roar of many waters he had in his hand seven stars and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like 
the sun shining in full strength. John got to see the Savior and the King. He said it looked like a man. He could recognize that was Jesus. I knew Jesus. I'd walked with Jesus. I'd seen Jesus. I'd laid my head on Jesus' breast. But this isn't the same one that I walked with in Jerusalem. He got a glimpse of the king. And then the very last chapter of Revelations, it says it this way. And I saw the heavens open and behold a white horse. And the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire on his head or many diadems. He has a name written that no one knows but himself. Clothed in a robe dipped in blood and his name by which is called the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following the white horses. And from his mouth came a sharp sword which to strike down the nations. And he ruled them with the rod of iron. And he'll tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God of the Almighty. And on his robe and thigh he had a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. It's just a coming together. The first coming, he came to save lost humanity. The first coming, he came as a man, a baby world wasn't expecting that but that second coming he's coming for a bride because at that point hell will have been defeated at that point all of the angels of Satan will be defeated at that point all of the world's cosmos and and all of the world's uh, uh, political systems will have failed all the false religions will have been vanquished he's going to come in his splendor he's going to come in his glory so my question is, are you expecting a savior or a king? If you wait to be saved on that day, you'll have waited too long. But if you'll let today be that day of salvation, right now, that accepted time, then when that trumpet sounds, you can join hands with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's going to look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful Servant, would you stand with me for a moment? Just as I don't ever think it's appropriate to celebrate the cross with Jesus still on it, we're not gonna have a cross at church and have the form of Jesus still hanging on it because he's not on that cross anymore. Just as we're not gonna have a a, a tomb with him still in it because he's not there, can I just help you out? Let's celebrate Christmas and put your nativity scenes up and do all of that. But realize he's not still either in that, that manger anymore. He came as a man. He came as God incarnate. But he did it so that one day he can come back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Are you ready? It's a question that I don't want you to answer just by yelling it out, but it's a question you got to ponder in your heart. Are you ready? If he so chose to right now that trumpet sound, would you be looking for a Savior or would you be looking for the bridegroom? Would you be looking for the King of Kings? I don't want to get to that point and be looking for a Savior. I want to make my calling and my election sure right now. Would you close your eyes? Father, I love you today, and I'm so thankful that, that you came 
first so that we might be saved and then you're going to come second so that we might be with you. Because if you'd have come as the conquering king, we wouldn't have been able to stand in your presence. But because of the nativity, because of Calvary, because of an empty tomb, we have that ability to be filled with your spirit. And I pray on this Christmas season as we have gathered here and next Sunday we're going to celebrate with the kids uh, the story of Christmas and we're going to have Christmas Day service and we're going to sing the Christmas carols. But Lord, don't let me forget all of that is so that we could be saved. For you've come as Emmanuel. You've come God with us to seek and to save those who are lost. And Lord, I want to be found. I want to make sure that I have repented of my sins and been baptized in Jesus' name for the washing away of my sins and been filled with your Spirit so that I might have life and that more abundantly. And I pray, God, that you would help us and guide us and watch over us and walk with us and teach us and lead us into righteousness so that one day we're ready for your second coming. Lord, I can't wait for that day when I get to see you as you are. I want to be ready. As they begin to sing, as they begin to play, I'm going to close my Bible. I'm going to do what I want you to do. I'm going to find a place to just talk to him for a moment and ask him this question. Lord, am I ready for your second coming? Would you begin to let that be your prayer? Would you let that be your your altar call today? Are you ready for his soon coming? I invite you to come to an altar. I invite you to hallow the place where you are in Jesus' name. I have decided. Hallelujah. I'm making.